Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We're champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Lungo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's episode, we are going to talk about New Year, True You, Embracing Self-Acceptance. Uh, please excuse me, I am a little sick because, you know, towards the end of the year, life gets really busy. Um, the show is about well-being. So this is a friendly reminder to everyone to take care of your well-being, um, especially when it comes to the new year. You know, like this episode is uh, clearly pre-recorded, but we are going to talk about the new year. And um, I th- I'm excited because... Every year, it's a, a chance to rejuvenate and, you know, change um, and grow. And, you know, self-acceptance is definitely part of that. So I'm excited to talk to our guest today about the topic. And we're welcoming Dr. Jesse Chua um, virtually uh, to our studio today. Jesse is um, an established clinical psychologist with over a decade of invaluable experience. And she is passionately dedicated to the field of mental health and well-being. Driven by her unwavering commitment to fostering a society that embraces mental health as an essential aspect of overall well-being, she plays an active role within the National University of Singapore's health and well-being team, participating in outreach initiatives aimed at enhancing mental mental health literacy and the dismantling of stigma surrounding help-seeking behaviors. Apologies, I tripped there a little bit, but uh, we got there in the end. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessie. Hello. Hi. Well, uh, I love the bio that I just read and, you know, I know that you're definitely the perfect guest to talk about today's topic because, you know, you're very big on mental health and well-being and this show is about well-being. Um, so I would love to hear a bit more about your professional journey, you know, especially because um, I think there are other things within your line of work that we didn't get to cover in that bio. So we'd love to hear more about how you got here, you know, why you chose the line of work that you're doing and perhaps something else that you would like to share with our audience about your career. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I didn't set out to be a clinical psychologist. I wanted to be a forensic pathologist very early on. But then I realized that my math and my science, not very good. So I'm like, okay, there must be something else I can do. So, I mean, so that, I mean, things happen. I encountered a few, you know, steps along in my life. And I decided that, you know what, maybe this area where people don't want to go into people, um, that people are afraid of, or people have misconceptions about, especially mental illness. I think that that was when I made my choice to go into this field. So, and, and, and I think the reason that I go into this field is exactly why I do so much research on, on it. So I, my research is focused on why um, the Asian communities around the world, they don't go seek help, be specifically psychotherapy, you know. So it, it was a lot of talking to a lot of people around the world about, you know, their practice and why is it so hard to engage the Asian communities and stuff. 
So and then and then this is so big now that I use it now back in Singapore to do a lot of um, outreach and um, initiative and stuff. So that's where I am now. Um, I I I the what I also worked very hard previously. I mean, a few years back was really getting my license in in in, in the US. I studied there, practiced there for a little bit, and then I got my license uh, in California, and then came back. Long time ago, I'm not gonna say how long, <laughs> and then got registered here in Singapore now, and then also working as a supervisor. You know, so that's where I am now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, fascinating journey. You know, I think it's it's great, especially because coming from an Asian background myself, I, I do agree that uh, people uh, from the Asian community just rarely seek help when it comes to mental health. Um, and it is a, still a taboo topic. I know that because, you know, in my own extended family, we don't talk about it. If someone brings it up, they would phrase it in a way that it's like it's an illness, it's a bad thing. Um, you know, that person has a lot of issues, stay away from them sort of thing. And I think that is extremely, extremely sad. Um, so, you know, I'm really glad that uh, you're doing the work that you're doing and also really glad that we got you on to the show today. Um you know, self-acceptance is is a very big topic. I think we've we've covered it a few times. I think once on uh, the Happiness Science podcast, um, also from LMSL and another time on this particular show. But I think the more we talk about it, the more there is to unpack. Because for me personally, I think it is a, a topic that continuously changes and shifts. And, you know, you, you kind of have to learn a lot as you go. So we'll dive deep into that um, in a little bit. Before we do that, we would love to get to know you better. We have this section called, Have You Met Dr. Jesse? And uh, I'm going to get you to share a few of your favorite things with us so we get to know you better. Uh, first thing first, what is your recent favorite book? I am rereading this book uh, written by Dr. Christine Neff. Um, the title is Self-Compassion. So self-compassion and self-acceptance, big thing for me. So she, in, in that book, she really talks about why we are so harsh to ourselves, you know. Um, and then she has many exercises in that book where she talks about like, how can you practice kindness, more yeah. kindness to yourself, you know. So I think that's the book that I'm kind of reading through, rereading again um, right now at this point in my life because I use it to teach my clients as well, you know, yeah. how to practice more self-compassion and to love themselves more. So she, that book is a really good book that yeah. I use. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing. I think, uh, I don't think I've heard of that book before. So I'm going to have to put that on my reading list. <laughs> uh, next question. Which movie have you enjoyed recently? Oh, I have been so busy <laughs> that I haven't been watching uh, many movies at this point in time. But the last one, the last one that I remember watching on Netflix um, it's a documentary on Cleopatra. How did she come to be? And I, I've always been fascinated by Cleopatra. Like, how did this woman come to power? Like, she's just fascinating to me. So, it's a, it's a, it's a series of documentary. So, I'm mm. somewhere I'm somewhere at the part where she's been kicked out from her family and then she's going to go back. So, I'm, I'm stopped there right now. I'm going to continue oh. when I'm free. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Not not really a movie, but, uh, you know, TV yeah, shows kind of work. Yeah, well, I I hear you. I haven't watched new movies lately, apart from the stuff that's been coming out in cinema uh, that I really have to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
So you're our podcast guest of the day. And a fun fact is a lot of our podcast guests actually don't listen to podcasts. Now, I wonder if you do. And if yes, what is your favorite one? I listen to many podcasts because right. I, I commute from my home to my workplace. It takes about about an hour, 90 minutes. So I've always like, I need to listen to something. You know, I'm like, I'm very, I need to be doing something. So I think my work is very serious sometimes very sad. So the podcasts that I listen to mostly are like comedy. So the one that I listen to quite frequently, as long as they release a new episode, is The Year Biscuits by Red and Ling um, um, from the US. So they're, they're somebody that I followed for many, many years. So it's a lot of comedy. They talk about like, you know, their trips, their life, their wife, their children. Um, they answer funny questions from the, from, um, the callers and stuff like that. So that's what I enjoy listening to very early on in the morning. And by the time the podcast end, I would arrive just nice at my workplace. So yeah, Year Biscuit, I really like them. Mm, I love that. Well, thank <laughs> you for sharing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it, it's good to to listen to not so serious stuff when your work is intense and serious. Like I need that in my life, definitely. So yeah, thank you for that nice thought. I want to try and find some comedy things to listen to. Um, okay. Now, do you have a role model? And if so, who is this person? Yeah, when, when I saw this question, I think the person that popped up into my mind was a supervisor that I used to have. Um, she was really somebody that inspires me to become a supervisor like her. Um, so it, this was somebody that I met during my graduate school training and in my last training, actually. So in my postdoc year, I met her and she was somebody that really embodied self-compassion and acceptance, really. She just, she just, she's just, the concept, but come to life, you know. Yeah. So when she was teaching, when she was supervising, it was really embodying those values. And then when I'm doing the work myself, I find that, you know, I have to be also very authentic and be really present with my clients, you know. So I think she really helps. Or maybe I would say she started my journey on this whole thing about compassion and self-acceptance. Uh, so she mm. would be one of my role yeah. models, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. I love when people talk about their supervisors and you know yeah. people that they've crossed paths with when they, you know, did their studies and you know beyond. It's just so inspiring. Like I think those people really help to shape who we are. Um, yeah. So I love that answer. And speaking of education, what is a course you've completed that has really inspired you? Mm. I I would have to say something that I've done recently. So this is a course that I've done recently with um the uh, this he's like he's a, he's a he's a clinical psychologist but um over the years he started to go into organizational development which is very closely linked to the work that I'm doing at, at um the National University of Singapore NUS for short so he really talks about like um how the psychologists when they go into an organization how do we do con consulting for them meaning you know um when the CEO or when like the directors or the head of department comes to a prof uh, the mental profession and say, hey, you know, the attrition rate is really high. I don't know why or what is causing my employees to quit. You know, what's going on? Can you guys go in to do a, a, an assessment to see if it's well-being related? You know, could it be burnout? Could it be stress? Could it be like um, a lack of job, uh, a job clarity? You know, stuff like that. So we go in. And, and do those consulting. So his workshop really um, opened my eyes to like an, another aspect of what clinical psychologists can do versus just the one-to-one -one work that we are so trained and used to doing. So he, 
it was really eye-opening for me. And the way he conducted that workshop was fascinating. It's he, The way they fa- facilitated it was really like, we went to the workshop, you just go into an organization made up and he tells you the rules, the policy, the culture. And then we just work in that so-called um, environment. You get to understand how it's like to be at the bottom rung, so the employees, you know. The, and then you get to be in the man- the middle management, like the managers. And then we have people who are, who are role-playing the CEOs and they tell you exactly what you're supposed to do, the rules that you have to follow at different segments and you play it out. And then you, so us, when we are doing that, we then start to develop a lot of compassion for the people above. Like the, 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 the constraints that they face, you know, like the budget, the, the board of directors that they have to manage, you know, and then the middle managers, they have to manage us, they have to manage up, you know, and then the, 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 the rest of us who are in like the bottom rung, like the pressures that we have, like the money, the, the financial stability, our families. So it was really eye-opening for me. I've never done something like that, you know. So it really helps me to appreciate like organizational, organizational developmental work so much more. <laughs> so yeah. that's really cool for me. Yeah, that that does sound really cool. And, you know, I think it, it is a big problem nowadays because, you know, all organizations seem to be struggling with employees' well-being and, you know, retention and things like that. Um, and sometimes there are issues that people might just be too tired to voice or, you know, too afraid to voice. And, um, I I think because we spend so much time at work, it is crucial that we understand how we can all play a part in this. Um, but then again, it is a very big conversation that there's need to have, you know, we can, we can voice our opinions, but at the end of the day, the decision makers need to make it happen. Um, now, let's talk about well-being and self-acceptance uh, before we go down that rabbit hole of well-being at work. Um, I, I think uh, self-acceptance here is quite broad. So today we'll have fun discovering the different aspects of it. In the context of New Year, you know, I think New Year is a, is a time where a lot of people start to evaluate their well-being, you know, how they've been doing the past year, how they plan to, you know, work on their well-being next year. Um, and it all starts with, how we view well-being, right? So I would love to hear how you personally view well-being. This is, oh my God, we can talk hours on this, but I'm going to give you the shot. I, when I think about well-being, I think about the word health, right? So health is this balance of like different kinds of health, right? It could be physical health, emotional health, financial health, spiritual health, you know. It's when we have a balance of all these aspects of health and not just being not sick or like without a mental health illness, you know, or like I don't have a disease. That's not just health. Health is just a balance in everything. You know, that would that would be how I see health. So when I think about well-being, I think about the person being healthy. That means having all these different aspects of health in balance, you know, and then maybe a person who's happy a person who is or who knows what they are going to do. So a sense of purpose in their life, I think. And also when they're stressed or when they are facing with tri- triggers or challenges, they have a set of coping skills, effective yeah. ones at it, um, to cope with it, yeah. <laughs> you know, just just to be clear, right? Effective ones. So that, that would be how I would define well-being. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I really love that, especially when you talk about the healthy coping 
because a lot of people um and and actually on this show that we've mentioned this a, a, a few times it's okay to like use certain coping strategies when it helps it does not necessarily mean that it's healthy but that healthy is sort of relative it is subjective so i think that's why well-being is such a hard thing to to kind of work on yeah, yeah. and i mean the thing is when I talk to clients about, well, uh, coping, really, and I always talk about like um, coping, if you think about it, has no right or wrong. There is no good or bad, you know. It's what we perceive as helping us, what we perceive as helping us. That's the key thing that I always tell people. Sometimes people think that, you know, um, taking a walk helps them. Some people think that drinking helps them, you know. So it's really what we perceive as helping our well-being, but I always emphasize that it's what's effective. So if something helps us long-term to cope with what is happening in front of us and then it goes away, thereafter, we don't struggle with it anymore. I see that as effective. No good, no bad, you know, just effective. But if we are just doing certain behaviors to just numb ourselves in that in, in that moment, our well-being is not getting any better. We're just distracted from it and then it comes back later on. <laughs> You yeah, know. yeah. So that's how I think about it sometimes. That is so true. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? You just debunked one of the misconceptions about well-being right there. Yeah, right. That is one of the misconceptions because sometimes people's, in the name of well-being, people use a lot of different strategies, and they say, "Oh, I'm doing this for my well-being." Is it really good though? You know, that that's a whole other area, right? So I would love to pick your brains in terms of you know these misconceptions. Like this is the beginning of probably a long list. Uh, but if you were to pinpoint the biggest misconceptions people have about well-being, what would they be? I think the word that I hear many, many times over and over is that I have to be happy. I have to have these things in my life so that I have good well-being. Like well-being in itself, there's no good or bad again. There's no connotations like that. So I think this is the biggest thing. If I have a car, I have a house, I have money, that's good. That's perfect well-being. I think that's the biggest misconception that people have. That when I have all these material things, I have good well-being, you know. I think that's the biggest one for me. And I always say, hey, well-being is just a state of like balance. Like it's great that you have financial well-being. You know, it's great that you have spiritual wellness. You know, it's good that you're healthy, you know. But can they all coexist together to really boost your total wellness? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that I always find myself clarifying many, many times over. That we don't yeah. have to wait to have all these things then to have wellness, we can have wellness now, you know? So yeah, yeah that's the biggest yeah. one for me. Yeah, that definitely. And you know what? When you were talking about that, I sort of started thinking about self-acceptance, which is our topic of the day. I do think that there's a relationship here because when we're actively working on our well-being, there needs to be a certain level of self-acceptance for us to start the work. You know, we wouldn't start working on our well-being without that realization that, you know, I self-accept that my well-being is not that great right now. It starts there. So let's talk about self-acceptance now. You know, it's it's what we're here for. Um, Put it so simply, how I think you self-acceptance self-acceptance? is, oops, sorry. Um, I think self-acceptance is just loving who you are in this moment. Well, okay, maybe love is a strong word. Just being okay, just, just being there, just being okay with how I'm feeling right now, what I'm thinking right now, and how my body is doing right now. I think that's I would how I would quickly summarize what self-acceptance is. Can I be in this present moment and be okay? Yeah. 
with myself. Yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, it is a simple definition. But once again, if you really break it down and apply it to your own life, it's so hard, you know, because life is a collage of moments. And, you know, if you ask yourself moment to moment, it changes, you know. And, and so because we're talking about the new year, why do you think this is a, a really good thing to start evaluating this new year season? Because I think that people run into the idea that when we, okay, so when we get to the end of the year, what do we all do as human beings? We look back at the year and we go, ah, we did those great things. We've achieved all these things. I'm fabulous. You know, I did this. And then as with every human being, we turn and we go, man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't achieve this. I didn't achieve that, you know. And then all of a sudden, we forgot about all the fabulous things that we did. But we so so focused and we so zoom in on the things that we didn't do. And then what happens when we do that is that we start to feel very negative about ourselves, right? We start to think about like, or we beat ourselves up. Why didn't we do this? I should have done that. You know, why didn't I make the decision? And I mean, I should have done this. And then my well-being will be better now. What am I doing with my life right now, you know? So then it leads to non-acceptance, really, you know? So I think this, this is a time where we all just start to do a lot of self-evaluation. And what can happen if we don't, we're not careful is that we start to go into this negative spiral downward. And then what happens when we go downward is that when we want to accept ourselves, it's much harder because we are beating ourselves up and there's so much negative thinking that we are not really self-accepting, but we are really self-deprecating, you know, which makes it very hard to love ourselves, if you think about it, you know. So I think that's how it's connected in that way. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, once again, it, it's kind of that opportunity for all of us to pause and reflect. You know, it's something that f for me personally, it's kind of hard because I so agree with you every time um, the year ends, I'm like, oh, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. You know, like my to-do list is so long, I haven't achieved all of them. And I forget about all the things that I have done. And on the topic of well-being, you know, like even if all I have done this year is maintain my well-being at a level where I can, you know, enjoy my life and have my balance, that is in itself an achievement. But it's so hard to self-accept the fact because people tend to list achievements, you know, like, uh, I don't know, things like, you know, get a promotion, get a car, get married, yada, yada, yada. So like anything to do with like the, the achievement sort of zone and not much on the, you know, mental health, well-being zone. And I think that is where it's really important, especially when it comes to the new year, because we are continuously working on ourselves. And I think that's the nice thing about being alive. You continuously learn and grow as a human. Um, and that's how you self-improve. You know, but it's it's important to not forget about well-being when you're, you know, working on that self-improvement. So our research team sort of pointed out this aspect of self, the self-improvement trap when we started looking at self-acceptance. So how would you define this self-improvement trap? And what are the consequences, you know, especially related to self-acceptance? Hmm. So I went to, so this concept was, was new, is new to me as well. I don't know what that is. So I went to do some research into this 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 term as well and it's really if we were to sum it up it's really talking about how can one 
motivate yourself by being very negative. So that's the trap, right? So if I think that when I look back into the year and I go, I, I didn't get that promotion, right? In our mind, there's two ways to interpret that. One is I'm very lousy. That's why I didn't get it. Or you know what? Maybe because I missed the mark on this thing, I'll try again next year, right? So what, what when I was reading this, I was like, hey, that's something very similar to what we do in cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So when somebody has a very negative belief about themselves, right? So they tend to think that um, everything that they do, uh, you know, is not good. Or it comes from the very core from within, like I'm a lousy person, I'm stupid, you know, I'm, you know, all the bad stuff, right? You start to believe and you personalize that to say it's I, I am this, I am this, I'm not that, I'm not this, you know. Um, and then from there, if you think about it, if I have this belief that I'm not a good person or I'm stupid or I'm dumb, it's very hard to improve. It's going to be easier to beat yourself up from this negative point of view of yourself. So that's kind of how I think about self-improvement, uh, self, the, the improvement trap. And then how does that relate to like, the therapy work that we do? So when I think about how can we switch that and move that into self-acceptance and improvement, I think about the space that we can have. Meaning, can we move from a very hmm. extreme negative space to a more neutral space. So in the middle, again, balance, move it to the, the middle, right? Um, so it's about, it's about, I'm good enough, right? It's about, it is really hard for me right now, but I'm going to keep going, right? It, it's about, if all I can do today is just to breathe, I'll just breathe, right? So it's moving from the very negative to the middle because from here, you have that space to grow because once you can acknowledge that this is where you are right now today, that's when you go, so what do I need right now to do? And the, the, the follow-up answer could be, you know what, I'm going to sit here and focus and just really finish this paper that I'm working on. You know, I'm, if today all I can do is just breathe, then I'm going to take it slow today then, you know, because all these things would eventually lead to being okay with who you are in this moment. So that's kind of how I, them together yeah yeah definitely i really like that because you know often when we look at the correlation between the aspects we kind of overlook the fact that you know self-acceptance uh, well-being and the self-improvement trap there's sort of like something you have to consider all the time you cannot have one without the other two and vice versa so i think it, it, it this is once again a lot of self-work and it depends on where each person is at um, there's no one recipe, I think, you know, because each person's circumstance is very different. Even if we have given some examples today, somebody might be listening to this and kind of go, actually, my situation is different. I don't really know how I'm going to apply whatever you guys are talking about to my life because I need to self-improve. You know, I don't know. I really don't know how I'm going to self-accept and, you know, like, I don't really know how I'm going to improve my well-being. And then they might get a little bit overwhelmed. Um, so just to kind of point out, the benefits of this. So people really pay attention to the importance of self-acceptance. How do you think self-acceptance would help our well-being? As you're speaking, I thought about this concept from dialect dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. Is this idea of radical acceptance, right? So what does this mean? So radical acceptance, so the word radical just means completely totally, fully, you know, acceptance just means that 
okay, this is where I am right now, right? So for example, a chair is called a chair. I'm not going to fight and call it a different name. It's just a chair. So radical acceptance means can you accept completely, fully what's happening in front of you right now? So when, you th- when, I, talk, when I think about well-being, I think about radical acceptance because if we want to be okay with where we are right now, if we want to be okay with who we are right now or where we are right now, I think it takes a lot of practice of, of radical acceptance. When stresses come by or when we are experiencing negative thinking, are we able to say, okay, today my mind is all over the place. This is not who I am. It's just where I am right now. It's temporary. It'll pass, right? Um, can I accept that I'll be here for a while? It's just a phase, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where radical acceptance come in. Are you able to identify when these thoughts come by? Are you able to accept that these feelings are triggered because of these thoughts? Mm. Are you able to be present with all the sensations that come with the body or to the body with the feelings and the thoughts that it come, that it brings to, to, to you? Because when you are able to sit in that moment and say, I can just be here right now and just experience all these things. I don't have to run away knowing that all these things are human moment, right? Because emotions are a human experience, right? Suffering is optional. I always, I, that's what Dr. Marsha and Linda Hannah always talk about in DBT. Suffering is optional. Suffering is when we fight what is happening in front of us, right? So when it's hard to accept what's happening, it's hard to accept what's happening. And that's acceptance also, you know. And she, and she says, if you fight this and say, no, I don't want it to be this way. No, I want to change it. It becomes suffering. That's why she always says suffering is optional. We don't have to be mm. in this space. But yeah. pain, pain that we feel, so the difficult emotion, the noise, you know, maybe the tension, these are inevitable. Because yeah, this so is true. Yeah, this is, this is nature's way of telling us that something's wrong. Take care of yourself. Right, yes. this is inevitable. Yeah. So I think a lot of times self acceptance so comes when we want to get rid of something. That's why we cannot accept. But the truth is, when we can sit and be with, it goes away much faster. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. You know, I um I've been meditating on that concept for a few months now, and there's uh there's a teacher on Inside Timer called Sarah Blondin who I love, and she has this um meditation on surrender. It's kind of like, you know, similar to the concept of radical acceptance. And I, I've i been meditating on that so many times that I can, I can recite the, the words. But basically, um, she said, you know, surrender is such a beautiful word. You know, you, and, and you, when you think about it, it really helps with well-being. Because I think from my observation, and I'm not sure if this is scientifically proven, but from my observation, when we hold on really tightly to anything, that is when our well-being suffers. For example, you know, the the idea of, oh, you know, this will get better, you know, like I will get that promotion. Hold on, really tied to that. Um, or, you know, being really upset about the fact that, you know, you got passed on that promotion that you deserve. I think this is something that a lot of people can relate to when they are listening to a new year episode, right? It's been, it's been a year, you know, a lot of people might have got promoted. A lot of people might have got, you know, passed for certain promotions. And uh, I actually heard this from my friend the other day who went through the same situation. 
And it's really hard to to let go, to surrender, to radically accept whatever it is that's happening. Um, but I think when we factor in self-acceptance, it is when we're saying, I know where I am and I know who I am. This does not mean that I'm a bad person or this doesn't mean that I'm not a great worker. It's just not my opportunity yet. You know, so surrender to the circumstance that would help because I have found that for me, like that helps as well. Sometimes I hold on really tightly to an ideal, could be anything, and I find myself suffering. And that's unnecessary suffering. So you mentioned something that I really love because when we're talking about, you know, suffering um, and self-care, which is something that you just mentioned uh, very briefly, self-care is something, again, that is tricky to navigate. You could start self-care by... Um, using not so healthy coping strategies. And when you're going through the process of, you know, self-acceptance, like really truly accepting what's going on in your lives and working on your new year's goals, for example, this is what the episode is about, right? Like the new year is around the corner when listeners are tuning into this episode. Self-care is such an important piece of this all because I think when we have that piece of self-acceptance, but we don't factor in self-care, um, we might fall into a trap of, okay, I'm in limbo now. I accept whatever happened, but I don't know where to go from here. So, you know, for for that, um, how would you help our audience to understand uh, how they can use self-care in this context, especially when it comes to, you know, um, self-acceptance, achieving New Year's resolutions and setting new goals? How can they take care of themselves better? You know, the concept of self-care is... Mystical to a lot of people. <laughs> I I always I always try to do. Okay, first people always think that self care is yoga, meditation, you know all these things. But I always tell them self care can be as simple as just breathing. Right. Think about somebody in a moment where they have a hard time accepting what is happening in front of them. So they got passed over for a promotion or the paper that they're working on didn't get published or or that kid is behaving really difficultly right now and a very challenging child right now, you know, in that moment. The thing, the one thing that you have for you to care for yourself in that those moments is your breath, right? So the when we can trigger off that breathing reflex, it, it really sets off this relaxation experience in the brain biologically. It just happens. We breathe. The heart rate starts to slow, the brain starts to quiet down, you know, we re-engage with the frontal lobe, you know, and the body starts to calm down and we become more and more um, objective or clearer in our thinking, right? So I think when that happens, the person can then decide what they want to do next. So if this moment is very difficult right now for us, can do you want to walk away? Because walking away is also a form of self-care because that walking away could mean I'm going to walk away and talk to somebody. I need to get support. Walking away can mean I'm going to get some water, clear my mind, and then come back, you know. Um, Self-care can be anything, you know, as long as it's effective for you in that moment to regulate your feelings and then come back after to work on something that you want to work on, you know. Because it's always, to me, it's always about effectiveness. Does this action that I'm doing help me to deal with what is happening in front of me right now? So if this particular coping skill helps and is effective, when I come back to the task or whatever the stressor is I'm facing, there is so much more cognitive space in me to say, this is really difficult. 
I know I need to get this done. I know this is really difficult, but can I try to do this for 15 minutes and then I'll see what I want to do next, you know? Because this all are self-acceptance, really, of the moment and in the moment, you know? Um, and I think one thing that I was triggered as, a, as you were sharing just now is the idea that um, if I cannot accept, then so be it. So be it. Because that's also a form of self-care to say, this is really hard. I don't think I can deal with it right now. Maybe later I'll come back to it. Because this is also caring for yourself in terms yeah. of boundary, right? Because totally. all of us have boundary, internal boundaries too. Yeah. Just not the right time. Then, okay, let's take, let's move away. I'll come yeah. back maybe next week, next month. I don't know, you know, or next five minutes. And then I'll come back to it again. Mm. So self-care is really just, again, I, I, I think maybe it's the influence of self-compassion. So I use this word a lot. So it's really loving yourself, mm. right? If you can love yourself so much, you wouldn't harm this body, this mind of yours, because you love yourself so much, you know? So yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I think about it. Yeah, definitely. I really love that. You know, boundary is an important thing, but also really hard to set, you know, because uh, I don't know about our audience, but I'm a classic people pleaser. It's hard for me to set boundaries. Still learning, you know, it's hard. Um, it's, a, it's a learning curve for sure, especially when it comes to well-being. And um, I think for a lot of our audience, you know, New Year's is the time where their boundaries are really tested because they will reunite with their extended family, just like myself. They are going to go out with friends they haven't caught up with in a while. They're going to do activities with uh, relatives that, you know, they might find hard to navigate. So I think that's a great tip that you just gave our audience there. Um, and I think we've covered quite a bit of theory. In, in this podcast so far. So now let's get practical. We have this practice section where we talk about a practice um, that we would recommend to our audience, as particularly your practice. If you have a personal practice you would like to share, that's great. Um, if not, we would love for you to recommend something simple that our audience can try to start embracing self-acceptance. I think the one that I do myself and I also um, get my clients to do is very cliche. Okay, it's cliche, <laughs> but it works. And I, again, I do this for myself too. So it's the gratitude checklist. It's a gratitude checklist. So I always tell folks, you know, can you at the start of the day or at the end of your day, write down three things that you're grateful for. It's something so simple, <laughs> so simple, but then people don't think about. We just get, we, we wake up, we start our day, we go through the day, we get home, we're so tired, we close the day. That's it, you know. And then we miss that opportunity to see if there are any things that we could have missed out or we could have learned in that day, right? Mm -hmm. So I generally do that at the end of the day. You know, I do that and I go, so I think about three things. So it can be like, oh, I had that meeting that I was in, it was such a great meeting because we were all collaborating, we were having fun, we were laughing, you know, and then we got the job done, right? That's a, something like that, you know. Um, it, and some days when I, if let's say I wake up, it was a tough day. When I close, it can be, I'm glad I got through it. <laughs> right? So it can be something so simple. But if you can do it for at least, I would say seven days, if you just keep doing it for seven days consecutively, either at the start or at the end, you'll notice very quickly that there is so much more compassion and love for yourself. Yeah. And you're so much calmer. Because yeah. you would think 
when you wake up the next day, you'll be like, all right, what are you you're gonna you're gonna be prime, right? And then when the day end, it's gonna be more than three things. You start to count the blessings in your life. You gotta be so th- grateful for the people that you meet, the things that you're doing, you know, the conversations that you have, the interactions. So this is what I I tell people to do, and I'm still doing it today. It's been years now that I'm doing this, you know. So and it really, really, really helped. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think it's such a, a simple thing that our audience can try. Um, and I think gratitude is a practice that has been mentioned a few times on the show. It doesn't hurt to, you know, talk about it again, you know, because uh, sometimes people just need a reminder. I actually um, started this practice with my friend and I, I've talked about this on the show, um, but we we did it when we were traveling together and we just, you know, sat at the dining table together and then we eat together and we talk about our gratitude list of the day. And it's a really nice moment. Um, and uh, actually, on top of that, I probably add another thing to, uh, for our audience to try if they can. Um, and another friend of mine, you know, when when we hang out and you know eat something together, we will sit down and we will say, "Okay, I'm going to tell you five things I like about you, and then you're going to tell me five things you like about me." And I think this is really good for putting things into context, especially when it comes to self acceptance. Because um, I know that a lot of our audience, if they're tuning into the show, chances are they're really hard on themselves. So, you know, that that is something nice that they can try to factor in nice things that they they also should self-accept and treasure. You know, it's quite um, it's quite great, especially when it comes to the new year. I think, you know, you just reminded me of something. Mm-hmm. We as human beings uh, come with all our strengths and all our weaknesses. Yeah. Right. That's what makes us human. There's good, so-called. There's bad. Again, subjective, right? So the strengths, I like to call it strengths and weaknesses. We come as we are. If all that we focus on are just our weaknesses, our life will be so miserable. You know? So true. If we can come into this space where we go, I have all these strengths and I have all these weaknesses that I'm going to work on Right, yeah. and we yeah. can come into this space. That's totally really the true embodiment of self acceptance. To say I have both sides, yeah. and and maybe the neutral too, maybe three sides. I don't know, you know, and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm gonna come as I am, and then what do I need to do now? Like this. Mm. All right, great. Let's do it. Because when we can own up to all the strengths and weaknesses that we have, or even the neutral ground, when we can own up to it, we can be accountable to it. That's when I think self acceptance just kicked in beautifully for us you know so that's something that you reminded me of thank you yeah no definitely (laughs) thank you i love that it's love that we just you know build on each other's ideas and you know (laughs) this could go on for a while i know um um, we're towards the end now so i would love for you to um you know take the floor and take your open mic this is your opportunity to talk about anything that you are passionate about so uh, I'm sure it's hard to pick one topic, uh, but, you know, in the context of um, today's topic, in the context of the new year, if you have something meaningful that you would like to share with our audience, go for it. Um, one thing that I am currently really um, learning and growing in is really employee well-being. So working in a big organization, how do psychologists like ourselves, we go into an environment where it's not like the typical clinical one-to-one therapist, client situation where we work on like, you know, trauma or 
phobias or you know mental Ill, uh, chronic mental illness and stuff like that it's really shifting into positive psychology and i think it's long time that we start looking at positive psychology because we have been looking at abnormal psychology for a long time so clinical health right the clinical psychology field again two sides right to well-being so i think i'm really excited that now i'm in this space with um at my work at, at nus to really think about with our directors you know who go out into a lot of conferences or even just within NUS to really present our well-being of staff, our staff, um, the, the employee well-being. And I think this is something that he tells us that many organizations around the world or even Singapore, where I'm based right now, um, do not have. So they don't have a team of psychologists to look into culture, into um, well-being to help really improve the efficiency and productivity of uh, employees, you know. So I'm going around the campus nowadays, you know, giving well-being talks, you know, on, 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 on conflict management, on uh, stress, relaxation, mindfulness, you know, all the fun stuff, you know, um, that we're talking about sharing with a lot of our employees that, that I found really um, shocking that a lot of people don't know. They don't have this concept, like, I need to care for myself, you know, like, I just care for everybody else, you know, I don't need to care for myself, you know. So I think this was fascinating for me, you know. I hope that, you know, more organizations around the world um, would think about this idea of having a well-being team in the organization to really help to boost employee well-being because your employee is your resource. If you don't take care of your resources, I mean, who's going to work and do the job that you are paid your clients, you, I'm paying to your clients, you know. So you want to really take care and focus on well-being of your employees. Um, so that's kind of where I am right now. It's something very new to me, but I'm very excited about right now <laughs> yeah Ooh, beautiful I love that we would love to you know check in with you and you know, find out how that's going because I think everyone can benefit from this you know no matter where they are in their career I'm sure everyone would be interested to find out more because it is so true it's just like a lost concept for some reason even though it's so key to all organizations um but uh yeah I think in the context of the new year one more thing that I would love to share is you know on that topic you know, mental well-being at work is important. And this is a time a lot of people actually reevaluate what they're doing, right? Um, and so I think that is probably one of the criteria they can potentially look at. Are they being looked after, you know, like mental well-being wise? And are they having conversations about this? Um, I think for me, that was a really big thing, you know, like talking about this kind of topic. It was kind of like a filtering mechanism for me, um, you know, working with different organizations because, Sometimes you kind of have to go through a few to, to kind of find out which environment is good for you. And New Year is a really good chance to reevaluate that because work is a big part of our lives. So, you know, we definitely need to make sure that we are taken care of um, and we voice our opinion when, when needed. So, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and for sharing. And uh, for our audience who would like to find out more about your work, where should they go? Um, I think that the fastest and easiest would be LinkedIn. So that's where I um, would post. I would post articles sometimes when I, you know, read interesting stuff. I would post articles on my LinkedIn. So it's exactly how my name is. So Jesse Chua, um, Said Um So I think that would be a good place to go. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing and being open and uh, welcoming our audience to reach out to you. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Doing Well. The Wellbeing Science Insights Podcast, produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs.
More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lungo. Thanks for tuning in.